Welcome to the Adult Child of Dysfunction podcast, where we untangle the past, rewrite the present, and reclaim our future. I am your host, Tammy Vincent, and together we will break free from old patterns, heal wounds, and create new narratives. Are you ready to transform the effects of your dysfunctional past into your superpowers? Are you excited to get back in touch with your true authentic self? If so, then hit subscribe and join me weekly on the Adult Child of Dysfunction podcast. Here we will learn from experts as well as experienced thrivers how to turn our trials into smiles while living our most authentic and joyful lives. Well, hello and welcome back. I am super excited today to have a new guest. My guest is Nathan Siegel, and he is a survivor of dissociative amnesia and narcissistic abuse. It is much to share on the topic. He talks about how to keep toxic people out of your life. In this other role, he works as a writer, and he's been published over a thousand times all over the world. And he has 12 books to his credit, one of which is Life After Bullying, which is attached to his narcissism work. So he does tons of work with narcissism, narcissism, and I am excited to introduce him. Hello, Nathan. Good morning. How can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your story? <laughs> well, I mean, this whole thing, the the way that what I'm doing right now came about was when a friend of mine in Australia put up a an announcement about teaching a speaking course. And I signed up. And then when I looked at the date, I realized, oh, it's October 10th. That's a long ways off. And I wrote to him and I said, how can I prepare? And he said, well, think about your most transformative experience. And I said, well, I'm in the middle of that right now. And I started writing about what's been going on in my life. And before I realized it, I had a talk. And then as I was writing, I realized, wait a second, I've got a book that goes along with this, Life After Bullying. And all of a sudden, I, I just had something. The other thing I realized is that for the first time in a very long time, I also had all the material that I needed to be able to do a TEDx talk. And I started putting that in motion as well. But the thing with, with narcissism, I mean, I, it it's a rather bizarre thing, the way that that whole thing came about. I mean, like, I'm just trying to think. Like about seven years ago, I was involved with a colleague of mine out of Australia. His name is Hamish Baston. And we were running a group on Facebook to do with uh, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And around that time, a lot of people were telling me about narcissism, but I was just going, no, no, I don't want to hear about it. No, no, too much stuff going on. And then, um, and then a short time later, my mother died. And a friend that I had from another marketing group reached out to me. I can't remember why. But he sent me some videos to do with a guy by the name of Ross Rosenberg, who's an expert on uh, narcissism. And he his most uh, popular video had to do with something like, if you uh, uh, discover a, a covert narcissist, run, but do it quietly, something to that effect. And I started watching the video. And after a while, I just went, oh, shit. Because I realized at that point that my mother and also my father uh, were narcissists. And I only realized that after they were dead. 
but the thing with the narcissism to do with my my mother i mean also around the same time and i can't remember who sent it to me but somebody sent me a checklist for the covert narcissist 15 points and i wound up getting on the phone with my ex-girlfriend we spoke about it and we went through the list together and my mother tallied on every single one of the points and in and also the worst case scenario at every single point and i was just going oh no because it showed me that my situation uh, was much worse than I had imagined. And uh, so there was that. But when I was doing this talk uh, or writing this talk, uh, a major player turned out to be my ex-girlfriend, who we broke up a little over three months ago. And I knew that there were serious problems in the relationship. I had all these red flags, which I ignored foolishly and all of those red flags were pointing to narcissism and and it was only when the relationship ended and I did a lot of research that I finally realized guess what another narcissist and and an obvious question like and I wrote this in my talk I said well how in the world did I fall for a narcissist now I grew up with this and and i spent a lot of time looking with these groups uh or sorry not these groups but uh i spent a lot of time on youtube looking at videos to do with narcissism and eventually i found the answer to my question which was if you've grown up in a family of narcissists there are certain things you will not see if you encounter uh like a narcissist in the wild if you will yeah. <clears throat> and the number one thing that i had never seen before is this thing called love bombing, which is what I went through with my ex. And it had me completely off guard, and I didn't know what I was seeing. And there were all these weird things. And that's part of why I got caught. So anyway, there we are. Here you are. So when did you start this journey of books? And you said about 12 years ago or seven years ago? No, no. Book writing has been a part of my writing journey. I did. When did I start that? 25 years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is not new. No. Okay. Yeah, something like, no, not 25 years ago, 17 years ago. But yeah, in that in that ballpark. But writing, working as a freelance writer for 25 years now, yeah. Well, well that sounds, that's awesome. I, um, my book came from that as well, from my experience and everything. And that seems to tend, tends to be what happens with people that go through kinds of massive things you know I was just talking to somebody about love bombing the other day and they were talking about you know the three steps of kind of how narcissists work and how they go from the loving to the grooming to the you know all of a sudden the infatuation's over and they leave you and it's 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 really sad and it's it's also you know they say that you your brain likes familiarity so do you think that's part um, of the reason that we're attracted to people that actually that's actually not true. Not in my case. I knew right away from day one that this woman was wrong for me, but I was in a state in my life where um, I was feeling rather lonely. I was uh, a little bit scared, but I was also dealing with the amnesia, which had hit me many years before. And if I had been in my normal state of mind prior to the amnesia, there's no way in the world I ever would have let her in because I knew she was wrong for me. But I, I let it happen because largely because of loneliness and it wasn't because of the love bombing so much i mean that was weird but um 
but it was just, it was largely because I was lonely. If I'm really going to be honest about it, that's what it was. Right. And well, no, uh, no, nobody likes to be alone, <laughs> to be lonely. No, no. But like I said, I knew she was wrong for me. I remember that really clearly and going, I shouldn't be doing this. But, but I was just, I I believed that I was weak too. And looking back on and thinking, was I really weak or was I just being lazy and just settling? I was settling. And I knew that. And it was a really bad mistake. Um well. You're free on, now, so. <laughs> well, on the other hand, it it actually, I mean, this is going to sound really weird, but on the other hand, it helped me quite a bit going through all of that, as horrible as it was, because it uh, it didn't bring closure to me in terms of the relationship, but it did help me in terms of where I came from to do with my parents and all this other stuff around me, because it gave me a much deeper understanding of what this thing called narcissism is and and realizing that my situation was, yeah, it was definitely extremely bad. And it led to a whole bunch of uh, very, um, what's the word for it? I want, the word that comes to mind is radical, but that's not the word that I'm looking for. But it led to a whole bunch of um, making, um, I still can't find the word I'm looking for. Oh, well. I'll let you know tomorrow. Um, <laughs> but it it led me to make some really, um, again, can't find the word, but I just wound up making some really uh, difficult, again, that's not the right word, but uh, decisions um, <clears throat> to do with the whole narcissism. Like uh, 12 years ago, well, well, actually, I did this several times with my immediate family, mm-hmm after going through severe abuse with them, I went no contact on them three times before I finally got it right. And the last time was after my mother died. And, uh, and so far, uh, no contact. And so in terms of the narcissist that I was involved with, I knew before I left the relationship, I was rehearsing it for two months, what I was going to do when I got out, which was to go no contact on her. And, I mean, it was really bizarre as I was leaving, as she was throwing me out, quite literally. She's also trying to hoover me back. And I'm looking at her and going, are you effing crazy? (laughs) And then I'd leave. And then she sends me this uh, letter the next day. and And I wrote to her and I said, you know, yeah, I get what you have to say. But there are a lot of things that I have to say. And I told her, and one of the things that I said to her is, never again. Well, I allow you to use me as your personal punching bag. And apparently that statement, I didn't know it at the time. I found out only a few days ago, is a very common expression to do with how uh, survivors of narcissistic abuse refer to what happened to them in terms of how the narcissist treated them. So, But I just said to her, you know, I don't want to see you for at least two months and probably longer. And now we're sitting at roughly three and a half months and I haven't heard from her at all. So she's moved on and found her, her next well, one probably, or maybe I, not. I don't I, know. I, I have no idea. I mean, I've been looking right. at a lot of videos to do with that and I really don't know. Right. I mean, the, my understanding to do with narcissists that is that at some point they always come back. And so it's like, well, if she comes back, I, I, I don't really know what I would say to her if she would show up. 
Um, but the one thing I do know for sure is that I don't trust her at all. There was one thing that happened in the relationship at one point where she was taking great uh, pleasure <clears throat> on uh, bashing me um, uh, to do with my past relationships. And as I was looking at this, uh, her face, and the, the expression on her face, I felt something inside me break. Mm -hmm. And after that, I knew I would never trust her again with anything of importance. And I never told her about the amnesia because that, the one thing I learned about this whole journey with someone like that is that they take your personal and private information and they use it as a weapon against you to beat the crap out of you for your history. Mm -hmm. And part of what she was doing, like beating the crap out of me, is that she was jealous of me for having like a normal life because she didn't have that. She'd been involved with a guy for 20 odd years and and no experience with multiple guys. But I mean, I had that as a course of my life. It's not something to brag about. It's just, excuse me, <clears throat> it's just how I was living. No, no big deal. Absolutely. So tell me, I have a question. I mean, I don't think we ever talked. Is the dissociative amnesia from the PTSD, is that all from your parents or was there something um, else that brought that on? No, it was, it, I traced it back. Like after it happened the last time I did something I'd never done before, which I started asking questions and doing research and PTSD or sorry, not PTSD, amnesia, uh, the form that I have or have had is uh, it's there are many triggers for it, trauma, various sorts, war, um, some sort of violence, um, violence in the family, abuse. And uh, I, I went through a couple of different major forms of abuse with my mother and father, uh, severe abuse. And as far as I can tell, that was the trigger. Okay. That, and that makes total sense. They have told me that I tend to dissociate when my children have trauma, which means that I probably am going back to when I had the trauma. I know my ex-husband and I, our stories of what would happen, like when my son put a knife through his hand, um, our stories are totally different. And yeah. when I think of the story, I'm almost standing outside of myself watching this go on. And I yeah. know in my mind now, now that I've gone through therapy and stuff, that I'm filling in the blanks when the story is being told yeah. verbally. I'm just filling in what yeah. I think happened. Not yeah, what actually that, probably happened. That's that's not what happened to me. That's not how it worked. Uh, no. When it when when it would happen, uh, uh, for the most part, I would. Well, the first time it happened, it 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 had to do with developing a false belief for thirteen years, um, and I came out of it. But I didn't really forget my history. But after that. There were multiple episodes when it happened, I would forget a large part of who I was. I couldn't function. The last time it happened, it drove me straight in, into poverty because I couldn't I couldn't do what I was doing before. And um, it was only after I came out of it that I realized just how bad it had been. But, but largely when it would happen, like the worst case scenario was when I revealed uh, some, uh, some abuse between my mother and me to a counselor. And when I wound up on the street after the counseling session, I didn't know who I was. I couldn't remember my name. I couldn't. I didn't know what city I was in. That's the worst form of dissociative amnesia. They call it dissociative fugue. 
And the worst case of scenarios of that is where it's so severe that the people who have experienced it, they wind up moving to a different town, they change their name, they do a different job, and they might be found like 10 years later if they're found at all. Because wow. some of these people, yeah, I was reading about this one woman in particular. And even when people that who knew her would come up to talk to her, she didn't know who they were. She couldn't remember. And she wow. was this completely different person. And th these people were, it's like, what's wrong with you? It's like, you know me, we're friends. And she couldn't remember anything. And I, I would think that with a trigger like that, you would probably come back or I would have. But, but then again, I don't know. And I never had that experience. But when that one experience happened, luckily for me, it only lasted 24 hours. Okay. And actually, within a few seconds of arriving on the sidewalk <clears throat> and being really scared because I didn't know what was happening, I put my hand into my pocket. I pulled out my keys and I somehow remembered I was driving a black van. So I'd, I'd, I'd lost memory, sure, but it didn't last for very long, thank God. Uh, but the other instance, the... Like I had two incidents that lasted for 13 years each. And the last one I had was the worst. And that lasted for 13 years of just these in and years, out of not yeah. remembering? Not in and out. Gone. gone Completely gone. All, all of the stuff that I really needed to function was gone. I couldn't access it. Wow. Is that when you were writing your articles and writing your books? I mean, do you have written I, stuff I, I to was, go back and yeah. I was still writing, but I wasn't doing very well. I couldn't function properly. I, I was, I, like I said, I lost, I figure, about 40% of who I was. And a lot of what I needed to function was no longer there. I couldn't access it. And uh, like I said, it drove me into poverty. It wiped out everything I had, my momentum, my clients, my direction, everything. I knew something was wrong, but I couldn't. See, one of the things that, this amnesia does sometimes is it robs you of the tools that you need to recover from it. And I had nobody to talk to. I didn't know what was happening until I came out of it. And I just remember thinking, oh, God, no, not again. But now I've got everything back. And I've gone through a lot of exercises to try and uh, rebuild. Actually, an intuition I had when I was writing my story is that would somehow bring together these pieces that I had from the amnesia, different things that I could feel. And the day after I started writing the story out, I remember waking up, taking a really deep breath, and feeling this sense of wholeness for the first time in decades. Wow. And I still feel it. I don't have any sense of missing pieces floating around. So that that's a blessing. It, the, the, you know, it's been really strange. Um, but the other thing, when I started writing this story, I realized, oh, I I have something. I have valuable knowledge I can give to people. Uh, like one of the, there a number of bizarre things, but I've been looking to get out of writing actually for 10 years because uh, I couldn't earn what I wanted to earn, except with one thing that I did. And I just found it enormously frustrating and difficult and really wanted to get out. And then when this thing came up, I realized, oh, this, my buddy in Australia had been bugging me for years about becoming a speaker. And now I have what I want and need. Now I can make it work. And so I started putting the word out in a major way. And uh, 
uh, with a, a goal that I want to get, I want want to be on twenty five stages. In other words, live speaking uh, have done that by the end of the year. But what's been happening so far is I've been getting a lot of information about podcasts and. Uh, a guy I'm studying with uh, to do with financial stuff sent me a list of like 35 podcasts. He said, pick 15 and I'm going to do an intro for you. So things are really starting to move quickly in that regard. And yesterday, some guy wrote to me and said, uh, I've got three different podcasts here. I think it would be a really good fit for all three of them. What do you think? And I said, sure. So, I mean, things are definitely uh, moving forward fairly quickly and we'll see. But, see where but, it goes. I mean, that's all you can do. And it's amazing that, you know, like you said, after 26 years, it's like now you've got the hope, but now you can, you've got a story. I mean, between I've, I've got a, yeah, I've got a story. story. Like, well, a bunch of stories, the amnesia, the, the narcissism, uh, boundary setting. And like what I discovered with the narcissism when I started doing my research, I was absolutely horrified when I started looking on YouTube. <laughs> So I think like for the keyword of narcissism, if I remember correctly, 12 million searches, not to mention for all these other words to do with uh, narcissism, like uh, malignant narcissist and, and, and so on. And some of the searches, they're in the millions. And when I started talking to people, almost everybody I spoke to had a story to do with a narcissist somewhere. And it's a huge problem. And, and not just from the standpoint of the narcissism, but how do you deal with these people? Yeah. yeah. So uh, for me, it's really simple now, but it took me a long time to get to that point. Yep. I mean, there are a million just, I mean, I deal a lot with adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families. And so much yeah. of that is having the narcissistic parent. And so much of that in the healing of that journey is discovering your own narcissistic tendencies because yeah i i mean yeah some uh, th th there was there was one habit that i've had but it's fortunate it's something relatively easy to fix it's just it's like oh i need to be more aware of that couple things about my history and i just it's like that i remember little things that have popped up over the years and both of them are really easy to fix and fortunately i know what to do so i'm doing it um but that's it. There were just two things. But everything else to do with the spectrum of narcissism, I remember watching a video to do with, uh, like, are you a narcissist? And no, <laughs> virtually everything is like, and which is great. Um, but yeah, I mean, they they call it a spectrum to do with uh, personality traits. But it's one thing to have uh, some narcissistic traits. It's another thing to suffer from what's called narcissistic personality disorder which i definitely do oh, not have right thank god and help uh, you break. <laughs> thank you yeah but but growing up with it i remember fighting this stuff with my family and it wasn't until after my mother died and getting all this information that i'd been fighting my mother's narcissism and my father's narcissism for decades without knowing what i was dealing with it was only after they were dead that i I started to see these patterns that I'd never, well, I knew that these things were there, but I didn't have a name for them. I just knew that there were things about both my parents that I really hated and uh, that were major problems. And uh, 
but it wasn't until after they were gone that I was able to realize, oh, this is a narcissism pattern. Mm-hmm. Now, you said when your mother passed is when you went co- no contact completely with your father. Is that what well, actually triggered it? Well, or what no, 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 no. My father died 25 years ago. Okay. <laughs> and I went no contact 12 years ago. And that had to do with my uh, my mother, my brother, and all my siblings. There was a lot of abuse going on during that time. Uh, the, my mother had been involved in a severe car crash, which should have killed her, but didn't. She wound up with like 48 broken bones, most of them in her chest, because when the accident happened, she got torsioned. And when the airbag off went off, it crushed her, quite literally. And she should have died, but she didn't. Wow. And so there was all this stuff uh, that where they were trying to get me to leave Mexico and go to Palm Springs to take care of her. And I was terrified because I, I knew that I had suffered uh, severe illness to do with the abuse in my family multiple times to do with my father. And I was terrified that if I went, they would kill me with the abuse. Mm-hmm. And so what happened, it was after the argument, I became really, really sick for a month. And I... I didn't think I was going to make it. I was really, really ill. And it was only after I recovered. It was a series of events, right? And I was working with a neuro-linguistic programming coach. And she'd been telling me for two years that my family was broken, but I I didn't believe her. I believed that if I could find that missing piece that I was looking for, uh, that I could fix it, and, and then I'd have the family that I wanted. But that's part of the narcissistic lie. And narcissists will trick people into believing, well, you know, if we do just this one thing, blah, blah, blah. But it's a lie. And if you fall for it, you'll waste years, decades of your life, which had happened to me, decades, quite literally, because of this lie. Mm-hmm. And when uh, when I came out of the illness, I was given an exercise by my coach. When I did it, I woke up out of my denial and the mind control of my family and the con game, whatever you want to call it. And I asked uh, I asked my coach for help in writing what I refer to as a PFO letter. And if you're wondering, PFO, what is that? Okay. Another yeah. Well, it stands for please. It stands for please fuck off. Oh, there you go. That's a perfect one. <laughs> and and of course, every time I see this, people laugh, and I go, "Well, uh, I'm Canadian. We're polite." No, but but How it was a letter. PFO. Yeah. <laughs> which is why I call it PFO. A, a little bit of humor helps, you know, with this kind of stuff. But I mean, but after that, I wrote a letter and I took ownership of my part in this. But I also said, you know, this one thing I'm really clear about is this abuse is not going to stop unless I stop it. So I said, effective immediately, I'm going no contact with you. And I never want to hear from you again for any reason. And then it includes if you're sick or dying, I won't help you. And, uh, you know, I did that and I went no contact. Then I got sucked into a social media fight with my brother years later because I was writing about what was going on to do with my family on a blog. And I did not know that my brother and my mother were spying on me online and had been doing so for 10 years. And I was furious. Yeah. When I found out the gloves came off and I went after my mother and my brother with a vengeance and I was posting all sorts of videos about bullying. and all, all I trashed my brother and my mother every chance I got. 
I was absolutely livid. And I was working with a coach later and he asked me about taking down some of my videos, but, but then my brother went after a whole bunch of people that I did interviews with to, uh, threatening them with lawsuits. And a lot of them caved because they didn't know that my brother was a bully. Right. Um, but there were a number of them who basically gave my brother this and said, we refuse to take these interviews down. We know that your brother's credible and we are not listening to you. And uh, and because one of the things that my brother was doing is engineering fraud against me, uh, mm -hmm. accusing me of things that I'd never done, then creating all this flying monkey crap with other members of my family and other people doing what in narcissistic terms they call a smear campaign. Mm -hmm. and, um, <clears throat> and this happened a lot. Now, what was really weird about this whole journey of the last number of months is I went through a coaching session one night to help me remove the pain of the narcissism and everything to do with my mother and, and her abuse. And, and it worked. I mean, it literally removed it all. And within a matter of a couple of months, all the memories and everything else were gone. And it was like, wow, awesome. I'm free of that. But I remember doing something really weird after this was done. I did a Google search for my brother. And I don't know why I was doing it. And after about five pages of Google, I found this huge thing about a lawsuit between my brother and some other guy uh, to do with a real estate deal gone wrong. And one of the things that I discovered <clears throat> is that my brother had engineered fraud against this guy. Mm. And and he was called out on it, and he was forced to admit on the stand that he had engineered fraud against this guy. And so there were several judgments against my brother, and and what it came down to, I forget the exact amount, but it was something like the final judgment was a judgment against my brother and his business for something like $970,000 for what my brother did to this guy in the real estate deal. And I thought, hallelujah, vindication. And I didn't right. have to do anything about it. And I mean, one thing I'm going to do is I'm going to look that up and I'm going to make a, a PDF copy of it. In case my brother resurfaces again to try and discredit me, I'm going to say, yeah, but I got this on you. Yeah, and, and there goes really like he can't do any more. Like, he can't do any more fraud claims on you. <laughs> well, he he could try, but I would just say, yeah, yeah but was, I got this. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll total see. loss of credibility. Well, but, I mean, at this point in my life, I'm not really worried about the discrediting stuff. I just say, you know, go for it. Yeah. Because one thing I learned, which is very important, and for your listeners as well, if they're dealing with a narcissist and and. Uh, <clears throat> They go through a discard in whatever form. <clears throat> One of the things that a narcissist uh, could do, may do, will do, I don't know, is this thing called a smear campaign. And a lot of people get really bent out of shape about it. I don't. And I'll tell you why. Very simply. Because those people who are my real friends would never fall for it. And anybody else, if they fall for it, fine. No problem. Uh, they leave my life and that's the end of it. But I'm not worried about it because I don't care. No. Um, I'm strong enough in myself right now. I have a, uh, I'm not worried about what the narcissist will do. It's like, go ahead. Those people who fall for it, they're obviously not my friends and I don't want them in my life. And those people who don't fall for it because they know me, uh, they're not going to be fooled. 
No, not and at that's all. What, and that's what really counts with this whole thing called the smear campaign. Those people who are your real friends would never fall for it. And like, it was like one of my friends, I mean, but I, I, I felt like boxing him around the years afterwards because he knew my girlfriend was the narcissist, but he didn't tell me. It's like, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? But, you know, that's the way life works. Yeah, and, it does. Uh, but, yeah, well, let, me ask, but, let me ask you but, something. If you had one ask. thing, like if you had one thing to tell the listeners as far as one piece of advice, if you think or question, if you're in a narcissistic relationship, what would you give them? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, it's a multifaceted answer, which I figured out on my own. The the first thing would be is to, if you suspect that you're with a narcissist, no, number one, you'd want to be sure. Uh, but if you are sure, the number one thing you'd want to make sure of is, do you have enough money saved up? Can you live on your own? Because one of the things that happened with my narcissist is that she was hell-bent on destroying everything in my life, and that included financial. I was broke. I had nothing left, and I couldn't get out even when I needed to. Mm -hmm. So there was that. But the second thing is, let's say you do have the finances and let's say you, it's just you, you don't have any children because that complicates things. But let's say it's just you, you don't have any children, then you have the money. Step number one, get the hell out of Dodge as fast as you possibly can. And after that, either send a note to the narcissist or not, and just basically say, I'm going no contact. And at that point, you go permanent no contact. So that means no smoke signals, no trade, tra like basically you block them in every way under the sun. And I, and after I, I left, I wrote to my ex and I said, I'm going no contact. When I said, and I don't want to hear from you for at least two months and probably longer. And I blocked her in every way under the sun. And I have not looked, well, with the exception of once, because a friend of mine was asking me about it. And we had looked up her profile on Facebook but this was only like a couple of weeks after the breakup and uh, didn't look like anything was going on. But that was the only time that I looked and I, I have no idea what she's doing because I blocked her and because I've had the strength of discipline not to look. Yep. Because if you're looking, that's another way of letting the person back in. And it's like, don't do that. Absolutely. <clears throat> because okay. if you really want freedom from this, there's only one way full no contact and never go back and never open the door and uh and if the person shows up to send you a message block it don't respond because what's what happening if you're getting these messages it means that the narcissist is, is beginning a process called hoovering which is named after the famous vacuum cleaner which still exists by the way hoover <laughs> vacuum cleaners still exist but hoovering is a term to do with what narcissists will do to try and pull you uh, back into the relationship. And you have to be really strong and not let that happen. Because if it does happen, the whole cycle is going to renew. And as a number of people have pointed out, the narcissist will treat you even worse mm -hmm. than they did before. And you'll wind up a puddle of goo on the floor. And you you don't want that to happen, yeah. but it's a very but it's a very common story of people going back, and I remember it happening with me and and my ex as well because we broke up at one point, and uh, 
and she came back after three weeks. But I, I was really annoyed. I, I, at that time, I didn't realize what I was dealing with. But now I know. And it's like, you don't want someone like this in your life. You don't deserve this kind of abuse or pain or suffering. Nobody does. No. But part of the reason that this happens so much is that the lack of awareness of people, of understanding uh, what's happened to them. They simply don't know. And so they get conned back into this uh, this mind game. And that's the reality of it. Absolutely. So much manipulation in general. Well, I'm super yeah. excited to talk to you. I mean, this is a pretty powerful conversation. And I'm telling you, your story is going to change a lot of lives. <laughs> Absolutely. You're going to help a lot of people. So tell me where people can find you after this. You have well, your Life After Bullying book and you have other yeah, books. But- I'd, well, yeah. Right now, unfortunately, the only place to really find me would be on Facebook. Okay. Or LinkedIn. I'm putting up some pages on my blog. I mean, I'll give you the name of the blog. It's nathansiegel.org. Okay. Uh, there will be pages that go up there to do with the the bullying book. There's another book that I wrote, which it, again is uh, it's the other book is about mind control. Okay. And it and it has to do with the pandemic, as some of us like to call it, because when it happened, I instantly recognized it but it took me a couple of months to figure it out and then i wrote a book which got me banned on amazon which is kind of funny i'm banned on amazon too (laughs) yeah but i i wrote a book i I rebranded it but i haven't tried to publish it on amazon because i really don't need them to succeed but the new title of the book is called stolen dreams Mm. how the elites government and mainstream media have destroyed all hope for an entire generation Wow, And so it's all about the mind control that the governments and mainstream media has forced on all of us all over the world. And it exposes them for the fraud and the lies and everything else. So for me personally, my trust in government and media and all of that has gone to zero and it's going to stay there for the rest of my life. Um, I don't believe anything these pricks say, and I won't give them the time of day either. No. So, uh, but the book is for people who have had troubles with the mind control or they have loved ones who have fallen for it in the book, like right close to the beginning is a section about how to talk to your loved ones who have fallen for the narrative. Now it's not, it won't give you all the tools you need to deprogram somebody, but it will tell you how to gain rapport with somebody who has fallen for the narrative. But if you want deprogramming, you need to hire a pro. Yeah, absolutely. Um, On that one. Yeah, Absolutely. so there, so there's that. So those are the two major things that I've done. Okay. The the bullying thing, it it just it, in the bullying book, it's about how to deal with adult bullies and get them out of your life. How to protect yourself online. How to set effective boundaries. I have some scripts that I did, and of course, um, I need to put up a page about coaching. And uh, there's going to be a certain amount of coaching that I do. But for really deeper stuff, like some of the major mind, uh, well, effery, uh, I would refer people to a couple of colleagues of mine in Australia who really know this stuff well. And But again, I haven't gotten it all in place. It's This whole journey has happened so fast that uh, part of the reason I haven't gotten it done is because I've been doing a lot of promotional stuff and and talking to people. And I got to get that done as soon as I get it done. Well, we're going to, we're going to put all of your links and anything you have, I will put in the show notes for people to see and they can connect with you. However, you let me know all that. I've got all that information. And, um, 
Yeah, it was great talking to you. I know it's not even five o'clock where you are, so I should probably <laughs> let you go back to sleep. But I, I, I screwed up with the timing. I remember looking at it on my calendar and it kept showing me this thing. Why does it look like it's so early in the morning? And then I finally looked at it and realized, oh my God, I booked this for 4 a.m. It's like, oh. Well, you're, I'm, <laughs> I'm impressed because I was hard pressed to get up at 5.30 to be ready by six. So you getting up at 3.30 to be ready by four is super impressive. So now you can go back oh, to sleep, God. lay your head down. <laughs> and I thank yeah. you for this powerful conversation. And I'm super excited to see where it goes from you. Maybe I'll, we'll reach back out in like six months and I'm sure you'll be on your 25th stage by now. Um, sure. Hopefully a lot more than that. We will see. I don't know. But I've been putting the word out and people have been reaching back, which has been just great. So thank you well, thank for very having good. me on your show. I okay. really appreciate it. Oh, my and pleasure. Yes. And God bless you. And thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. And check in next week and we'll see what other incredible guests we have on. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Adult Child of Dysfunction podcast. If this episode resonated with you or you think someone else could benefit from what you heard, why not share it with someone you care about? Let's heal from our past and take back control of our lives together. If you're interested in learning more, head on over to www.tammyvincent.com for a free chapter of my book, Surviving Alcoholic Parents. While you're there, be sure to catch my invigorating seminar, Awakening Your Authentic Self. Together, we will rewrite our stories and turn trials into triumphant smiles. Until next time, keep embracing your strength, keep being you, and know that you are more than enough. You are way more than enough right here, right now.